All right, well, good to see you all in the house of the Lord this evening. Trust you're having a good week. Certainly been some beautiful week thus far. You would take your Bible and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm going to read the first five verses. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Of course, we know that the word word is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 tells us the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But tonight I want to consider the reception of the light of the world. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together. Thank you for we can open your word and it can enlighten our hearts and our minds into the truth, into thy truth, and give us understanding in things concerning life. And uh, we pray that you'd help us to, to grasp these truths tonight, understand that what we have is because we know you as our Lord and Savior. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word light, and that's what I want to look at tonight, the word light here has, is the idea of the source of human wisdom. And the Bible says there in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So light has the idea of the source of human wisdom, the power of understanding moral and spiritual truth. You know, the reason for the corruption and the degenerating of our culture that we're seeing so prevalently in our society is a departure from the light of the world, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a turning away from God. You know, Brother Forney used to say that there's no such thing as primitive cultures. You know, people talk about primitive cultures of the world. They're so backward. They're, you know, it would take Charles Darwin, for example, uh, back in the 1800s, of course he lived in the 1800s, went to visit a South American tribe, and they were so primitive by what he considered you know, primitive or behind in culture and so on that he said it would take thousands of years for them to evolve to civilization. Then a missionary went there. And within 10, 15 years, they were a civilized people. See, and Brother Forney says, there's no such thing as primitive cultures. It's, they are degenerative. In other words, they've turned away from God. They haven't had the truth of God's word to enlighten them. And, and so, so when people turn away from God, they become corrupt. And, of course, we see this in the Bible. They become corrupt, ignorant, and wicked. Look at Noah's generation, Lot's generation, or Lot's uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And even the children of Israel, when they turned away from God, they began to do wicked and horrible things, sacrificing babies on, on all, burnt altars and, and that sort of thing. You know, and, our, and our culture today is, is very confused and divided. I mean, we're confused about something so simple as gender. Um, you know, today you can be odd gender. You know, I googled how many different genders there are. And one, one way, and I didn't read them all, you know, I didn't waste my time, but some, you know, there were some that said the seven genders. One said 72. I don't know. I, I do know there's two. But you can be all gender, which means you're no gender. 
Uh, somehow. I don't know how that can be. But anyway, um, and really the, re- the result, the, the, the fruit, that is the fruit of a turning away from the truths of and the laws of God. And of course, that's very explicitly stated for us in Romans chapter 1, where it says in verses 21 and 22, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's what we see. You know, Jesus Christ is the source of wisdom. He's the source of understanding. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 says that he has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is wisdom. You know, the word light here really, it kind of has the idea that you ever have, have the, uh, hear somebody say, well, then, then it dawned on me. Or the light bulb turned on. Okay. In other words, you just gained some understanding into something. He's the source of that understanding. And, and, and as we think about this, as we receive the light of God's word, you know, it gives us understanding in a lot of different things. Understanding into our world, understanding of us, and understanding of God. It gives us an understanding concerning the nature of man. Uh, we can understand through the, the light of the, the Lord... Uh, through the Word of God, the Word made flesh. And again, the Word is what reveals us to God. You know, really, the way you have a relationship with God is through His Word, the written Word. You, know, you, you can't have a conversation like I'd have a conversation with Dave Welch or Edwin, you know, or one of you. You can't have a conversation like that. No, we have, we have, we have communication with the Lord through His written Word. And, and so it's through that that we receive the light of truth, and we can understand, of course, concerning the, the nature of man, that man is a sinner by nature and by choice. You know, when we say by nature, that means he's born with a sin nature. Psalm 51, verse 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. Now, that isn't saying that, David isn't saying my parents sinned, when they conceived me, no, he's saying, I was a sinner from birth. That was passed on from my parents to me. Uh, Psalm 58, verse 3 says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now, and when we say the wicked, well, we say, well, my baby wasn't wicked. Oh, yes, it is. Every baby's wicked. They're born that way. You know, they will cry and, and pitch a, a hissy fit, and you know, and you wonder what in the world's wrong with them, and you pick them up, and they quit riding. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.20, There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now, we know there are men in the Bible who are called just, but they were made just by God. They're not just in themselves. And so we can have this understanding concerning the nature of man. And as we think about that, nature of man, I want to notice a couple things here concerning that, uh, following that subpoints. It gives us understanding of the need of law enforcement. You know, if you understand the nature of man, you understand why we have police, why we have government. You know, in Judges, two times... It says this, Judges 17, 6. In those days there was no king. In other words, there was no established executor of law. 
No king in Israel, but every man that which was right in his own eyes. And again in chapter 21, verse 25, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It also says his judge in 18.7, Then the five men departed. And these are five men from the tribe of Dan looking for more land. And they came to Laish and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure, and there was no magistrate. In other words, there was no sheriff. There was no one deputized or authorized to uphold any law there in that land. That put them to shame in anything, and they were far from the Zidonians, and no man had business with any man. So, so, so the scriptures give us understanding, you know, the light of God's word gives us understanding because of man is a sinner, the need of government or law enforcement. And again, we, we understand this from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Romans 13, verses 1 through 4, where the Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, for the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. Remember, we're talking about law enforcement. A minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute, of, execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. In 1 Timothy, I'm going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture here. In 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verses 5 through 10. 1 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 10. The Bible says there, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, neither understand, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. You know, you know a righteous person doesn't need the law, because we have a higher standard than the law. You know, the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery, the, the, the righteousness of God says, thou shalt not look on a woman to lust after her. See, that's a higher standard than actually what the law says. The law says, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, I say unto you, be not angry with your brother. Again, that's a higher standard. A righteous man doesn't need the law. He has a higher law. And that's the spirit of the Lord. But it's, the law is made for the lawless and disobedient. Those are without God. They're ungodly, verse Verse 8, 9 tells us, And for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is, notice this, contrary to sound doctrine. Now, this is kind of interesting to me that he says that these things are contrary to sound doctrine. You know what? What he's saying is, look, it's contrary to sound doctrine for society not to have laws to govern its people. That's contrary to sound doctrine. You know, 1 Peter 2.13 says we're to obey every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And the word ordinance there, Strong's describes it as original, which means a beginning, original formation. 
uh, and and it goes on and says properly by the act by implication the thing literally or figurative a building creation creature ordinance so it's the original formation of of law is what it is now who is the original institutor of government or of law well God is God is you know, when Noah came off the ark, the Lord said to Noah, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That was the first institution of government. God instituting government, capital punishment. You know, no longer are they allowed to get away with murder. You know, prior to the flood, every man, every imagination of man's thought was only evil continually. That's how that, that's how that society was described. But he says, now, if somebody kills a man, man, men are to kill him. We call that, again, the death penalty, the capital punishment. And, of course, then we further on, you know, there, the, the, we have the law given by Moses. And, and that, again, the, the last half of the, 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 the Ten Commandments has to do with man's relationship with men. And so these are, these are, these are, Natural laws; the, the, these are of the, you know these are ordinances that are originally from God, and He is the originator of law. You know our founding fathers understood that; they understood that; they understood the origin of natural law. For they said this: "Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident." Self-evident means. They're clearly seen, Romans 1, clearly seen from the beginning of creation. The other visible things are clearly seen. Again, there's hold these, these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unquote. And then it goes, of course, it goes on. So, so the, our founding fathers understood the need... For law enforcement, for government, for the protection of a civil society, without which there will be no civility, which is what we're starting to see in our land. Yeah. You know, the, so, so really, you, know, you might say it this way. This defund the police movement is contrary to sound doctrine. That's what Timothy says. You know, this is sound doctrine. Anything else... You know, the law is made for men-stealers, for, for murderers, for perjurers, and, and whoremongers, and all these cr- criminals. It's made for them. And if, if, you know, anything else, it's contrary to sound doctrine if you don't have that. It's not made for a righteous man. You know, the law isn't made to put righteous people in jail. It's not the intent. So the, we would say that the fund police movement is contrary to sound doctrine. The anti-capital punishment advocates, again, are contrary to sound doctrine. But let's bring it down a little closer to home. The spare of the rod psychology of child training is contrary to sound doctrine. It is. You know, that is the basis or the foundation for all authority to be established in a society. It starts at home. Uh, the God is love without holiness philosophy that's permeating our land, which, by the way, overlooks 
crimes against humanity, because you know, if you notice the, some of the crimes here, he lists this, whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. That's the sodomites. Men-stealers, you know, we have a lot of that going on in, in our world. You know, child abduction and so on. Uh, sex, slave traffic. Oh, that's the men-stealers. Um, but if you notice here, he says, in, in prefacing, starting the, this passage, he says, now the, verse 5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. See, holy, or, or this God is love idea without holiness, without purity, and judgment is also contrary to sound doctrine. And again, the lawlessness of our land and around the world is a result of this, this rejection of the law of God. And our nation is destroying itself as a result. It's destroying itself. It's what happened to Rome. It destroyed itself. It crumbled from within because of the wickedness that began to reign. You know, one of the things that happened with the Roman Empire was they began to, the, the, you know, offices, public offices were bought and sold. How do people win elections today? Um, and so, you know, it's caused our nation to be severely, severely divided. You know, if you don't think it's divided, just, you know, I just read today, just consider the divisions in the Democratic Party itself. You know, in response to the State of the Union address, um, there are some Democrats that are just, they're just mad. Because it wasn't progressive enough. And then there's a senator, a Democratic senator, that actually sat with the Republicans during the address. So you have Democrats themselves on both sides, you know, and, you know, Biden is like in the center. That's how bad some of them are. Uh, you know. So, and why? why? Why is there such in our country? like we've never seen before. Because they have no objective foundation of truth as a base for law and order. Because they've rejected he who is light. You know, when, you, when you reject the light of the truth, Christ, you have no objective. In other words, you don't have something that you can look to that's unchanging. Because men always change. You know, I like to think that I haven't changed, but I have changed. You know, I used to believe certain things about the church, and I don't believe it anymore. I've changed. I, you know, I believe I've come into more agreement with what the Scripture teaches. But, you know, God never changes, and His law never changes. And so this, this confusion is, this, this is, a, uh, is a result of that. And so, you know, the light of the word gives us understanding in the need for law enforcement, but it also gives us understanding of spiritual authority. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So, you know, the church, he says here, is the pillar and ground of truth. And we understand that's, you know, a local church. So the church is the executor of true religion. Of true religion. It's the executor. 
Uh, and of course, with the invention, you know, churches with the invention of the universal church theory have given up their authority. You know, the philosophy is today that a church has no authority over me. After all, I'm in the universal church. I'm in the, what, you know, the, quote, the body of Christ, and therefore I, I don't even have to go to church. I don't have to be a member of church. I'm still in the invisible universal church philosophy. You know, the origin is the Roman Catholic Church. And it's called in Revelation 17 18, the mother of harlots, great whore. And it's interesting, it's called the mother of harlots because, you know, who her children are? Protestants. Um, you know, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and this is, he, he told them, you have authority to dismiss or discipline that member who's cheating with his father's wife. You have authority. He said, when you're gathered together in my spirit with you, you're to put him out. You have authority to do that. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that. He wrote to the church of Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 14. And he told them, look, if any man would not work, neither should he eat. And he says, if, if they won't listen to you, if they won't uh, 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 hold fast to sound doctrine, you withdraw yourselves from them. You have the authority as a church. You have the authority to do that. You, know, you are the pillar and ground of the truth at Thessalonica. Um, you know, and pastors are to lead in this authority, understanding you know, we don't have legislative power. It's executive. Now, to try and illustrate this, probably most of you understand this, what is considered the legislative branch of government? Congress. The House and the Senate. They're the ones that are supposed to make laws, okay? It's the executive that's supposed to enforce them or carry them out. And so he has been chosen to execute, to ex- execute those laws, the executive branch. You know, the FBI is supposed to work under the executive branch, uh, you know, and by the way, and through investigation, they can impeach a president. But they're supposed to work under the executive branch and enforce the law. You know, the church is the executor of the legislation that has been preserved to us and passed down through the ages. Of, through the ages. You know, this is our legislation right here. It, this is like, this would be comparable to the Constitution of the United States, to the, to the to U.S. government. By the way, that is our law. That is our standard, the Constitution. But this is, this is our Constitution. This is, this is our legislation that we're supposed to follow and execute as a church. So the church is the executor of, that, of the legislation that God has given us, and pastors are to oversee the execution of that legislation. And when they fail to do that, they can be impeached or removed. Look at... Look at a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And um, verse 15 and 16. Paul here writing again to the church of Corinth. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. So they, he says, look, you know, it, I think he's pointing out here, I believe he's pointing out here that Stephanus is the pastor. He, he was the first fruits of salvation in that region and he had, he's addicted himself to the ministry. That's a, that's a description of a pastor. And he says, look, you're to submit yourselves unto such. You need to follow his lead in executing or carrying out what the Word of God says. Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes to Titus, who is a pastor or an evangelist, and he tells him, you know, an evangelist is simply a a missionary, the one that starts churches, that's the way I understand it from the Scriptures, and he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Look, you're to oversee appointing elders in the churches. And of course, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, and verses 1 through 5, gives us construction instruction concerning pastors and their responsibilities. 1 Peter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. That's really shepherding. So, you know, be feeding, uh, teaching the word of God, taking the oversight thereof. So that's taking leadership, not by constraints, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. You're not to be bought or bribed. You know, sometimes preachers hold back from what they say because they're afraid of what people might say. And they might leave and it hurt the church financially. You know, really, they're being bribed. They're succumbing to bribery. But of a ready mind, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples. You're not to lord, not to be a dictator. Run roughshod. You know, to teach, to shepherd, like a shepherd. You know, a shepherd does correct his sheep. But when he corrects him, you know, often the way a, a shepherd would correct his sheep, sometimes he gets one that keeps going astray, he'd break one of its legs. And then you know what he did with it? He carried it. He carried it. And that sheep would become so close to that shepherd, he would never leave its side again. But he'd break its leg. You know, he would, a shepherd would correct, but not, not berate or browbeat. And, and of course, in, uh, he goes on and said, when the chief shepherd shall appear, then she'll receive a kind of glory. So, so you know, the, we understand this, that, that, that God, through the light of his word, we can understand that God gives authority, gives it to the, to the state or the government. It's instituted. He also gives spiritual authority to the churches. You know, this is, this is, so understanding the nature of man and need for this authority, this is why socialism, communism will never work. Because it breaks down this understanding of the nature of man to need an authority. You know, it, communism, socialism has brought chaos, destruction, and poverty, and suffering wherever it's gained control. Because it's a denial of the sin nature and of authority 
to control the wickedness of man. It always ends up with the power and wealth of a few and the poverty and suffering of multitudes. See, it's denial of God-ordained authority. Now, you know, Teddy Kennedy has made the statement one time that the only reason socialism doesn't work and hasn't worked in 6,000 years is that he wasn't there to, to run it. Nothing prideful about the guy or anything, but, you know. Uh, but, we, but again, we understand, we can understand these things through the word of God. We understand that. It's, it's really quite simple. The second thing we see here is the light of the word gives spiritual insight into the world of the spirit. Now, this isn't creepy. It's reality. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> And I'm going to start at verse 4, where it says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, I wasn't a great communicator to be able to persuade you with enticing words. I didn't have clever catchphrases, you know, to make you feel good while I was skinning you, you know, kind of thing. Uh, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man. I don't, Paul said, I don't want you just following me. I want to give you the word of God so clearly that you see it is the word of God and you follow him. Howbeit we speak the wisdom among them, verse 6, that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the, of the princes of this world, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. You know, it's a mystery that was before hidden, but it's now revealed. That's what a mystery is. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. In other words, they didn't have the wisdom of God. See that in verse 6. They didn't have the, so they didn't have the wisdom of God. They didn't know it. For had they known it, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not within, in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness under him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, again, the light of the Word, which is Jesus Christ, gives us spiritual insight into the world of the Spirit. We can understand spiritual things because we have the Spirit of God that dwells in us. You know, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, who was a very wise man, familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures, and said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see. And again, he's talking about perception or understanding. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't understand it because it's spiritual. You know, salvation in the light of the world which is Christ, reveals to us that we have enemies. And they are not flesh and blood. They just use 
flesh and blood. Now, I'm not trying to be freaky or scary here, but, you know, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Have any of you been chased by a roaring lion lately? Have you ever been chased by a roaring lion? Well, not really a roaring lion, but I have been. I have been. I've been attacked by one that acts like a roaring lion. And if you are saved, you will be too. No, it says as a roaring lion, not literally a roaring lion. See, Satan is like a roaring lion. And he uses people to attack or go after or try to intimidate. You know, the, the roaring of a lion is really intimidation. It's to scare you. It's to put you in fear. You know, I'm told that, that uh, you know, a, a lion, uh, you know, female will go up, upwind, upwind from the deer, whatever it wants to chase, catch. The male will go downwind, and, and the female will chase that. And when it gets close to where they think they can, they can grab it, the, the lion will roar, and the roar scares the animal so bad it momentarily freezes it. That gives it time to be captured. You know, that's, 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 again, that's intimidation. And that's what Satan does to us, and, but he doesn't use... He, he doesn't you he doesn't you know he 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 comes to us in flesh and blood. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter six and verse ten through twelve. Ephesians six ten through twelve. <clears throat> Follow me, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, and be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but the opposition that we see with the eye is flesh and blood. But understand, the, it's being energized. It's being energized. They are being energized by Satan himself. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us in verse uh, 2, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that thou worketh in the children of disobedience. That word worketh is, the, is energo, where we get our word energy. So the energy, you ever, you ever feel like the, the, the wicked just, they're just relentless. It seems like they just never quit. They are never defeated. And you know who's energizing them? The devil is. And, and the devil is relentless. I mean, if, if, if one of his pawns is taken out of the picture, he's going to put another one in. That's the way he works. He is relentless. So they're, they're energized by principalities and powers. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. You know, again, we see examples of this in Scripture. Uh, insight into the world of the spirit, for example. Remember in 2 Kings chapter 6? The king of Syria 
is trying to come into the land of Israel, and Elijah tells the king of Israel where he is, where he's going to attack. And so he decides that, hey, I'm going to go get Elisha. I'm going to go get Elisha. So he encompasses the city, Doth and roundabout with chariots and horses to take, to take Elijah out of the picture. And Elijah, Elisha's servant goes out and sees all this army out there and he says, last master, what we should do? And the Lord, he says, Lord, just open his eyes. And he opens his eyes and he says, the whole mountain is filled with chariots of fire around about Elisha. And the and the Elisha, Elisha uh, you know, asks the Lord to blind them, and they, of course he leads them into Samaria. You know, what we see here is a battle going on in the spirit world. The king of Assyria is being energized by Satan himself. You know, Daniel's enemies were like a roaring lion. But he could see through the light of the word... What they could not see, that is, he could see that God rules in the affairs of men. And if God wills that the lions would not eat him, they would not eat him. And he trusted in God. See, he could see that where these other guys, you know, these other guys never imagined in in the world that Daniel would escape from a hungry lion's den. It never crossed their minds. You know, sort of like Goliath, nothing ever entered my my mind like that before. Um, You know, Jesus could see this. You know, he could understand the roaring of a lion. Remember in Luke chapter 4, and he goes into the synagogue at at Nazareth, and he he opens the scriptures, and he reads, you know, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And then he he begins to tell him about the the prophet Elijah going to a woman of Zarephath. and, 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 you know, there are many widows in Israel, but none like the widow of Zarephath. And they got mad. And they grabbed him and were going to take him down to the hill and throw him over the hill headlong and kill him. And all of a sudden, he just walks through the midst and so passes by. See, there's something they didn't understand. That they were fighting against God. They were in a spiritual war against God. You know, Peter faced the roaring lion of Herod in his sword, which he beheaded James, but delivered Peter, and Herod was struck dead. You know, Paul faced it. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, where he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but a God who raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. He said we had the sentence of death in ourselves. But we learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. You know, he said, we were pressed out of measure. You ever feel like you were pressed beyond what you could bear? That's what Paul felt like. But he said, 
You know, we gave up hope. There was no hope. Nothing we could do. We were beyond help as far as we were concerned. But God was still there. God was still there. And see, through the light of God's Word, He gives us insight that we are in a spiritual battle. We're, We're involved in a spiritual war. We have an enemy. But a third thing I want to know is, quickly here, the light of the word removes our fears of the dark or the darkness. Again, in John 1, there he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, they didn't understand or they didn't lay hold of the truth. You know, why do people not lay hold of the truth? Why don't they understand? Well, John 3 tells us in verse 19 and 20, This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. You know, the reason people don't understand truth is they don't want to. Because it reveals us for who we really are. It reveals to us that we have a need. That we have to humble ourselves. We, like Paul, we're pressed out of measure and we gave despair of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. But God, who raises the dead. See, He's the one who gives us hope. You know, a term used in Scripture quite often is to be not ignorant. Be not ignorant. And the way to not be ignorant is to accept the truth of God's Word. Be willing to humble yourself and apply it to life. You know, the, the reason we don't do that like we should is we already think we know what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, that is a thought process of the proud and haughty. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and, and uh, verse 18 Proverbs 4, verse 18 says, But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Verse 19, Proverbs 4, 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of light. And put away from thee a forward mouth and a perverse lips put far from thee. And so we're to put away. And don't be forward or perverse. Don't be stubborn or proud. Wisdom for life comes through God who created it. And we have to guard our hearts, he says. And if you notice, he says, the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more. You know, the more truth you receive from God, the more truth He gives to you. And we see that evidence in the Scriptures, the life of Nicodemus, the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, he didn't understand what he was reading, but he accepted. He was looking for the truth. He desired the truth. And Philip preached to him Jesus, and he accepted the truth. And the same is true with Nicodemus. He understood that there is a God. He prayed to that God, though he did not know him. And that God sent him a man to give him more light. And he accepted that light. 
And so, so you know, it, it shines more and more under the perfect day. You know, as we grow, as we receive truth, God gives us more and more truth until that day we go to be with him. You know, in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In 1 John 1 and verse 5 says, This then is the message we have heard of him, declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the beloved Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You see, to walk in fellowship with the Lord is to walk without fear. We can understand, again, through the light of God's word, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters there are roar and troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. You know, the world lives in darkness because their foundation of truth, the foundation of light, understanding is flawed. It's flawed. It's perverse. It's vain. You know, Proverbs 4 calls it the way of darkness. And he says they know not at what they stumble. You know, they spew out this stuff, but they don't, they know it doesn't work. Or do they? They don't seem to know. You know what? They have convinced themselves that they are right. Do you ever try to argue with one of them? Good luck. You know, they think they're right. And they grope in the world like a blind man. But the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, Ye are all the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Why? Psalm 119, verse, 30, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the source of light. He's the source of wisdom. He's the source of understanding. You want to understand human nature? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read Proverbs. It'll give you insight into, the, into man. And even the Psalms. Or it's all the Bible. It gives us understanding. You know, the world wanders around, tries this, tries that. You know, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be an, an, another new thing, you know, after climate change is gone. There'll be another new thing that they're going to try. None of it works. Why do they do that? Because they do not have the light of the Lord. He is the source of all light.